I don't think Jason Kelsey of the Philadelphia Eagles and Ryan Rosillo of the Ringer and of a gym near you had ever met before. Uh, but here we are on the airwaves. Guys, welcome to Greenlight Pod. Thanks for having me, brother. Good to meet you, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, this is great. I'm uh, fired up. Okay, so guys, before we get into it, uh, good news, real good news. We're moving up in the world here at Greenlight Pod. That's right. Happy to tell you, Braun is sponsoring today's episode. Had a great time working with him during our coverage of the draft this year. We talked football, uh, and I had Trayvon Diggs on, and Braun was able to help us out with some personal grooming tips. So uh, Braun's got a special offer for y'all listeners. Uh, go to shop.braun.com and enter the code GREENLIGHT to get 10% off your order. Let them hook you up and keep it looking good, like Jason Kelsey. This is fun. This is a this is a power trio. Couple friends of the program here, and this is terrific. <laughs> I, I honestly couldn't think of two guys to uh, to do this exercise better uh, unless I had hit up somebody who's actually like been in a movie to be on the pod. I thought about getting Miles Teller on here. You guys both mm. know Miles friend of the program, but I didn't want to be intimidated by his movie acumen. He might judge some of our ideas. We should just give him the Zoom link now then. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys blitz Zoom him, yeah. Because I think, yeah, I mean, you guys, every now and then when you get the text, you're like, oh, this is pretty cool. Miles Teller's texting me right now. But if he gets it from two <laughs> Eagles, yeah, if this Gun thing ever comes out, it's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> he might be recasting some of these things that we're doing here. So exactly. how about that? You know what? I'm going to text Miles to see how much he really likes us, and uh, and maybe he'll drop in at the end. So let's talk football real quick before we get into the other stuff, because this it's supposed to be a football pod. I barely ever talk football. Um, I was talking to you, Jace, about this. I think you and I have a lot in common about the way we look at like life being more important than football. I, you know, I, I don't think all guys, we eat, sleep, breathe football, but there's more to life to it. And now more than ever, there's way more to life than football. And you're sitting there, you're staring down the barrel of a season that may or may not happen. It may or may not happen on time. You don't know if you'll play with fans in the stands. Like how hard is it to train for that season? Because as a player, I needed certainty. We're like really wired for a routine and you don't have that routine right now. You're, you're away from your teammates. You know, you don't know if the season is going to happen, when it's going to happen. What's it like right now? Yeah, I mean, well, you hit the nail on the head with routine. That's probably the biggest thing. That's a big change. Um, you know, you're used to waking up, getting to the facilities at this time, eating your breakfast at this time, lifting at a specific time. And um, all of that's really been, you know, it's on the player to designate when all that's happening. Now, we still do have set lift times, but it's much more uh, kind of on your own. and. Um, to be honest, it's been it's gone really well. It's gone way better than I thought it was going to. Uh, a lot of guys have tuned into the workout, the vast majority of guys, so that at least they're getting workouts in, even though it's hard to find uh, facilities for some people. But, um, you know, and for me, selfishly, uh, I kind of love that I'm not doing OTAs in mini camps this year. To, like, I don't know if it's going to get let up in a, in a month, but. Um, like, I like that I'm able to just lift and get in the optimal physical shape. Like, I don't need to hit the Crowder sled right now. I don't need to do sets. I need to try and get my my hips, everything stronger and everything set up for the season. So I think for some of the older guys, this is actually uh, going to end up being pretty pretty great for their careers, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, it's money for the older guys. We lose, like... OTAs and minicamp, for people listening, it's not like we don't want to work older guys. Right. It's just that, like, you know, you're out there running in the, in the summer sun all day long with guys who are just learning the things that you've known for years, and your body is taking a toll on because you have to facilitate the learning process of those younger guys. That's what the reps are for. I mean, they're right. for the people who are new in the summer. So, I mean, that stuff can wear on you. I mean, it puts it, it puts, uh, takes tread off the tires. Yeah, and it just detracts, like, 
we only run in condition for the first two weeks and the rest of it, you're out there with the coaches and you're running through plays and there's an advantage to doing that. But I really think for especially older guys being in peak optimal, like conditioning going into the season is probably better selfishly for that. But like you said, the other aspect of the importance of OTAs and minicamps is really just being together as a team and in developing uh, camaraderie, cohesion, young guys getting new plays that they've never done, free agents learning new systems. But for the guys that have been there, the older guys, you're kind of establishing the culture and the feel of what it is to be, for me, an eagle. Uh, and um, and that's what we're missing. But everybody's kind of missing that. So that's kind of a wash, unfortunately. Yeah, it can be hard. I know we have everything we need at the facility over the summer, and you've got a great program. You got great strength coaches. Shout out to my man Keith Gray, uh, my dog. Big Keith. Big yeah. Keith. He, I think he's a friend of the the program. So uh, Keith, Keith's the man. But I, you know, the hard part is everything's so condensed, so you can get a bunch of things done during the day, like your lift. You rush in, you lift. You know, for older guys that need a very specific warm up, it's hard. You know, maybe you want to do some things on your own. And the Eagle staff is very accommodating, but still, to do the things that are, you know, designed specifically for you, it's hard to get that done in a very, like, in mass uh, kind of streamlined process over the summer. And that's a very key time period. If you're spending six to eight hours at the facility, in the summer, which I was on a lot of days, even OTA days, I'd stay and sit around and do extra work. Only two to three of them were really productive hours for me. So you're wasting right. a lot of time as an older player. So in a sense, you could get ahead a relative to your normal summer. Exactly. Yeah, it's impossible for a strength coach to try and facilitate an off-season program that is the best optimal thing for every player. Uh, could you could you could you these these X's and O's meetings with uh, with Stout and shit like that? Has Lane behaved? We actually haven't. We've uh, had the older guys haven't started doing that yet. We start that up in a couple of weeks. He's just on young uh, developmental guys. But so, to answer your question, Lane will not be behaved whenever that starts. <laughs> so he's so he's working with the hungry pups right now. And so uh, yeah. when the hungry dogs come in, uh, yeah. here's a little hot tip from me on the other side. You don't have to tell anybody I told you this, but you can Ferris Bueller your meeting. Just freeze you looking intently at Stoutland and just leave the room and do whatever you want to do. <laughs> the next two hours, just hope you're not called on. Yeah, that's a – knowing Stout, you're going to get called on, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you can always blame it on the internet. I'll put, yeah, I'll put my AirPods in and do something else and then just kind of wait for that, like, Kelsey, what? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> what you got, Rye? You talk to all the guys you're teammates with, Kelsey, and obviously, Chris, you're still friends with so many guys that play. I have always had the assumption that athletes want to come back and play. I, I feel like it's it's been this weird pivot in the last few years of the way that sports are covered where people forget that guys actually do like playing sports. You've done this your whole lives, and I know it's a grind, especially for you guys, especially football and linemen. It's not always fun, but that you like to play. And when you factor in the money, even though a lot of you guys have made a ton of money and banked it already, Give us a sense of how many guys truly want to come back to play versus the guys that don't want to risk it that are, and I'm not saying anybody's wrong for being scared, but I feel like sometimes there's this vocal minority on social media that challenges any return date or suggests how dangerous this could be, which may be accurate. I don't know. Um, versus how many guys are like, you know what? I just, I'd rather come back and play. Like what's that percentage based on the guys you talked to? Man, that's, that's tough. And I think, um, you know, like watching what's going on with baseball, where it seems like half the guys want to play, half the guys don't want to play. Um, it's been kind of eye-opening. Um, That's what it seems I, like, right? And yeah. what I'm going with, is it actually 90% want to come back and play so they don't lose, lose well, the I paycheck? Think, but you, it's hard to argue with the guy that's you know arguing about real health risks. Well, I think part of it is, you know, depending on what media outlet you're watching, uh, this is completely overblown. And then you watch another media outlet and it's the worst thing since the black plague. So you, it, it really depends on what you're feeding your brain. Uh, and that's kind of going into uh, guys either thinking that it's nothing or it's making other guys super paranoid. And um, to be, to answer your question, though, most of the guys I've talked to uh, in specific, in particular to the Eagles uh, are interested in playing for sure. And they and they want to play. Um, 
but I have not like done like a huge survey of that and seeing what's going on with baseball. I got to think that there's football players that feel uh, the same way, to be honest with you. There's not a sport that is less conducive to physical distancing and social distancing than football. Like right. literally great point. you could stay six feet away all day long. The minute we have inside run, you're essentially spitting on my face. You're breathing no face. We're just face to face. <laughs> Not only that, like lockers, locker room. Okay, how are you going to do that? You want everybody to stay separate? I know you're going to test, okay? You want to test twice a week, that sort of thing. It all sounds good. It sounds airtight. Shit, you can move the whole team and their families to Texas and take over all those nice high school football facilities and move it to a state that's not as – as uh, as urban, you know, because there is a concern. Different cities are going to deal with different stuff. Like the Jets are going to deal with something different than the the Jaguars when it comes to this thing. Humidity, heat, you know, the amount of people in a city. But even if you do all that and you put all these protocols in place, you still have to trust that the families are at home observing social distancing. That if there's a second surge, you know, your wife has to go to the the grocery store. You know, Kylie has to go to the grocery store. You know, um, you know what. Kids going to school. There's so many variables. Where are the doctors that come into work every day? Are they going to the hospital? Do they have to do anything else? You know, they're talking about cutting the staff down a little bit. I still think it's just going to be really hard to, to, to figure out. Oh, no doubt. And I think if things remain where they're at today, there wouldn't be an NFL season. I think that everybody's kind of banking on the testing getting better and, and, and teams figuring out a way to do it in a safe and secure manner, um, you know, Luckily, luckily for football, at least, everything is so far down the line um, and well, far in terms of a lot of things can happen between now and then. We can testing can improve. Uh, the number of cases, for whatever reason, could drop substantially to where your chances of getting it in a uh, work environment are drastically reduced. The mortality and, uh, rate will probably go way down once you have testing. I mean, there's going to be a lot more people with this thing than we think. And the mm -hmm. NFL... You know, it's to your point, you have time to wait. You have a runway. There's other leagues that didn't have that. Like the NBA was certainly not in the catbird seat. Like it was this domino effect where people were reacting to other leagues. And there's no bigger league and tone setter than the NFL in the, in the United States. Like the NFL is not going to answer to anybody. And I can promise you they're hell bent on having their season. I don't care how weird it gets. They're going to have their season at some point. That's my, that's my thought on it. What do you think yeah. about fans in the stands? You got to be kind of happy about that because it's a silent count. No, I hate <laughs> it. I, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be terrible without uh, fans in the stands. To be honest with you, um, it's going to be great for uh, away games and the and that and when you're in the red zone, you can't uh, make a call or communicate something uh, offensively. But in all reality, it, it's going to feel so weird. And that energy that the fans bring, that, the, that a live crowd brings. Uh, you're not going to be able to replicate. Even if you put speakers there, it's never going to be the same. Um, so I, I'm not excited. Seattle about already that. put speakers there. I mean, <laughs> 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 nice little dig there. Yeah. We used to think the Rams did it uh, in the in the indoor because we were like, there's no way St. Louis is in the Edward Jones though. Yes, it used to get kind of loud in there. It was oh, yeah, listen, per capita, it was a loud-ass place. I always say about St. Louis, not the biggest market, and we sucked ass, but the fans we had were loud as fuck, and I appreciate that. New Orleans, you know, without fans, that home field advantage is going to be different. Like, certain teams are definitely going to be affected more than Pats others. Pats fans always bring it, though. Pats fans always bring it. You're right, you're right, Rye. And, and, and here's the team that's not going to have to skip a beat. It's going to be the, the Chargers. I mean, they were going on si silent count in their home stadium. That's They're going to be excited. It's going to be the same thing for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll be uh, business as usual. It'll actually be better for them because they won't have away teams fans there rooting against them. Yeah, Eagles fans can't take over that stadium. They were but home it, Eagles games. It's yeah. really tough. I mean, I'm looking – the other night I'm looking at the schedule release show, and I know you guys watched as well. Maybe you didn't, Jace, but I watched it. And I'm just laughing because I'm saying to myself, like, they're really not going to mention the 500-pound gorilla in the room, which is COVID, <laughs> and the possibility that all these shiny stadiums, you're like, you got Lewis, and he's up there, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, hey, SoFi is going to open up. This is going to be a crazy one for that. For, you know, you got Dallas. You got L.A. What could be better? I'm like, well, what could be better? Maybe that game without the pandemic. I don't know if any fans are going to show up to that and that would ironically be the one game that la fans would show up to the first one against the cowboys 
You don't have to shit um, on the Rams here, but um No, look, I, I think the Rams, the Rams, that stadium is gonna be so awesome that it's an event. It's Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. There's millions of people out here. It's not gonna be like people forgot the Chargers were here. We've had I think I've even said I said San Diego numerous times. I think there was even a couple more officials that still said San Diego when they're actually calling them for a penalty. And for we them to be we right would, and, we would butcher it. We'd just put it on the board. We call them San Diego in game week. Right. And it's it's unfortunate for those guys. It's unfortunate for Chargers fans that are actually in San Diego. But as far as the Rams and SoFi, uh, that place is going to sell out because it's an event. It's eight home games. So it wasn't going to be as bad as the Chargers thing. But what I think of, and, and you're right, Jason, like I look at it going, it's going to suck for you guys. It's going to be a different product, but it's better than nothing. And when the oh, no NBA doubt. starts back up again, I know what's going to happen, and, and I'm guilty of it going, oh, this sucks, or this isn't cool, or, you know, I, I'm when you're an opinion guy for your entire career, you immediately are like, all right, this is how I feel, and a lot of the times that stuff, the instant reaction is negative. I would hope people go, when they see the new version of whatever basketball is going to be, where there's nobody there, and it feels like a scrimmage, or just a bunch of games in the same location as if it's some AAU weekend festival. Uh, that you're not tweeting or going, oh, this sucks because no. it's just it's just not fair. Like people have to change their expectations of what these products look like and accept it. There, there's, there's no perfect solution here, man. There's a flip side to that, Rye, and I think it's a great point. I think anybody who complains and bitches about the NBA coming back will be out of their fucking gourd. I cannot totally. wait for the NBA to come back if it comes back safely. I don't know how they pull it off, but I hope they do. You know, I was watching UFC the other night. You were live tweeting the shit out of it. I've never seen you tweet so much, Ryan, in one period as like a serious, non-sarcastic tweeter. Like you were, you're, this is your finest hour. And, and, you know, it was fun. It gave people a different sense. Like I heard the punches. Like I really heard, you know, when Nganu hits somebody in the face in an empty room that you could otherwise hear the air conditioning machine turning on uh, or the air conditioner <laughs> turning on, like that's pretty, pretty violent. And, um, and, and it gives you a different look. You can hear the corner men more. Like, if it's the NBA, you're going to hear coaches. You're going to hear players talking shit. The NFL is going to be the twilight zone. I don't know if I could play in front of no fans. I don't think it takes all the allure out of playing pro football for me. Uh, but you got to do it. Guys that are still doing it, you got to do it. You got to get that money. So Yeah, um, and I, like you said, so I, think, I think having football is better than no football. And if that means not having fans, we're in a much better uh, scenario playing football. Uh, and uh, like you said, Chris, football, in my opinion, is most tied into uh, the fans. The fans make the biggest difference in a football game. Uh, but it, I, it will be interesting to actually hear all that stuff, especially as somebody who's been in it, like to like hear calls, to hear uh, different uh, like uh, uh, either not just trash talk, but to, to hear like you're not going to be able to hide blitz calls or like cut off game tape so that that's not being disclosed. So I wonder if teams are going to have to like change up terminology more because people are going to be hearing that on a consistent basis. Like it could kind of be a much different environment. That's why I think, you know, before we roll on to the fun part, I, I think this year, better coaches, more continuity, that sort of thing, experienced players, the cream will rise to the top. And there's certainly situations like the Bucs are stacked. They're going to be a good football team. How long is the learning curve going to be for everybody involved? It's a new situation. Something like Indy, okay, on the surface, Philip Rivers, new quarterback. Well, he worked with Frank Reich. How much does that help, you know, that he worked with Frank in San Diego? Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of situations, young quarterbacks. You know, what do you expect out of a first-round quarterback this year? I don't know. It'll be interesting. I cannot wait to hear people hear how much we get yelled at on the sidelines. Uh, on national TV. That's the one thing for me that's going to be gold. You know, people thought football was hard. Wait until they hear some of the emasculating shit you hear from a coach on the sideline. Do you guys want to hear a completely ridiculous idea I had early on that my wife had to talk me out of with this <laughs> yes. whole coronavirus thing? Right. Yes. Oh this, is a good, this is a good avenue. So keep in mind, obviously, I'm not a medical expert whatsoever. Wait, what? Yeah, right? You look like one. By the way, for the people listening, uh, Jason has – flow on top of flow <laughs> i can't even i've been mesmerized i realized there was a stretch earlier i didn't listen to anything anyone said for two something minutes because i was just looking at his font and eyebrow combo i don't know what the hell to do with this guy 
uh, <laughs> Ryan, you reminded me of it when you were saying, like, how much do some guys want to play? And early on, I remember having this discussion with some of the guys on the team, and in particular my wife, who was the one who was talking sense into me about this. But Because everybody's heard with the coronavirus, and this is the problem with this whole theory is, it depends on who you're listening to. But the idea is, if you're a healthy person, your chances of dying or being even hospitalized from this are generally considered extremely low. So my idea was, let's just rent a hotel. The NFL rents a hotel, gets a bunch of doctors and puts them in this hotel, gets ventilators, gets all the necessary medical equipment. <laughs> so and we put all of the players on the Eagles inside this hotel and give them coronavirus. So they build up the antibodies and you do it in like the healthiest, most monitored, safe condition possible. And um, and then my wife told me I was being a complete lunatic. And, I don't know. She's, uh, she's a little Princess Bride. I kind of like this. I think, the, I think the lead here is that you were vying to your wife uh, to sequester yourself <laughs> into a hotel without your family for the entire fall, yeah. because that's the only oh, way that yeah. things are tight, as we mentioned. So, but I um, think that's the one thing she liked about the idea. But, but yeah, then again, you start doing player. the breakdown, and you're starting to pick your teams for the week, and you're like, "Well, look, you got to take the Eagles at home here. They have the, they exposed themselves to it. They built up a tolerance. Um, <laughs> that would be that would be part of it. And there's nothing more football guy that's like, if I want to be ready week one, then you know I need to be I need to have the antibodies by August. <laughs> Well, our, our boy, uh, and you know who I'm talking about the other day, dropped a bomb about NFL players. Why wouldn't they be willing to risk COVID? They willingly get CTE every day. This is Ravel. <laughs> oh, is that Ravel's thing? Yeah, yeah, that guy. Oh my that didn't go. Ravel's in that category of content guys that, like, he can't win no matter what. Even if he makes a good point, it's like, how can I still – rip him that's what people kind of do <laughs> right. rebel. Yeah. but i as soon as i saw that one it was like one of these paragraphs doesn't flow doesn't fit <laughs> with the others right. okay so we are here to do movie reboots and uh fuck the serious stuff fuck football i want to talk movies i want to go down this mm -hmm. rabbit hole so this this idea came to me earlier in the week thinking about how much I wish Waterworld was getting remade. I've had the thought before, hadn't watched the movie in over a decade, went back and skimmed it, and it is not that bad. I was expecting for it to be worse. I know Jason uh, said that, um, you know, it, it, uh, it's better than people think. I know Ryan doesn't like it very much. I'll let you guys get into that. But I want to kick this off uh, with my number one choice, uh, Waterworld. I think this would be the best remake I got a bad rap because of uh, the expectation. I think it was a solid movie. I mentioned that. The genre and the time, what do you expect? I mean, really, what do you expect from that plot? The budget was, was a big problem. Everybody knows $235 million, To uh, make it? To make it. In 1995? In 95. In adjusted for currency. The budget was a problem, and it took like two years. Now, a lot of that was delays. They're doing something really ambitious. They're off the Is coast the water? of water. Yeah. <laughs> That, that, by the way, the reason the budget swelled, because I'm looking at the movie and I'm like, how the fuck did that cost $235 million? It's just water and scrap metal. Like, how did you spend that much money, guy? Well, the problem was they used all the steel on the islands of Hawaii, uh, the Hawaiian islands, and then had to bring more in from California. Literally, they ran out of steel in Hawaii. Now, you think about, you know, Pennsylvania, a lot of steel. Hawaii on the other end of that spectrum. So that makes sense. Uh, and they overshot the landing strip. So people, by the time it came out, were like, I fucking hate this movie. Actually, it broke even in 2009, I read, when it came out on Blu-ray for the record. What? For the no water way. Yes. For the Waterworld haters, it eventually broke even, which is a miracle. But it was- I don't even know if I believe that. It was that, was that backed up? It's backed up by the internet. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like- like the problem was, and obviously it has a Mad Max tie, same cinematographer. I'm looking at the reboot. I'm thinking, okay, well, you don't want to do a reboot of Waterworld too close to the reboot of Mad Max, which I thought was good, but not as much as everybody thought. Same cinematographer. And admittedly, that movie took a lot of elements. So that's like the hopper scene on the, the ship with all the people like, you know, the dirty ass ocean people, the smokers. That's what they called them. Smokers. Out the whatever. smokers. That's right. The smokers. 
So there's a lot of Mad Max, but the problem was it was the right idea, wrong guy. Costner, very dry. I get it. I'm not a huge Costner fan. I like some of his stuff. Yeah, but back then, that's your go-to. Yeah. like Gosling and DiCaprio in just a burrito. Yes, it it was. It was. He reeled off movie after movie in the early 90s, but if you notice, he never really got back on the horse when it came to this type of movie after Waterworld. It kind of, no pun intended, sunk him, and it all came down to him and the director weren't getting along. I think the guy's name, I have it written down here because he hasn't done a lot of stuff. He did Count of Monte Cristo. He worked on on Robin Hood with, with Kevin Costner. Uh, Kevin Reynolds, they never got along. Here's what they were disputing, that Kevin Reynolds thought he should be very minimalist, very stripped down the character, and uh, Costner thought he should be more swash, swashbuckling. I don't even know how to fuck to say that word. Swashbuckling. <laughs> swashbuckling. Yeah, Errol Flynn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like high boots. Barnacles and yeah. 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 Like yells a lot, a lot of one liners. I think uh, the the director was right, but let's get the guy who can pull it off. And that's Ryan Gosling. You mentioned him. There's a couple parallels Mm. here. The entire movie, do you know? Gosling's too young then. Gosling now. I'm talking about if the reboot happens now. Let's get it right. We get Gosling. Gosling and Drive. What was his name? Do you all know? I don't remember because it was so not important. Driver. And Driver. what was yeah. Kevin Costner's name in Waterworld? Mariner. Oh, all right. So, yes, so perfect. It, it all I'm works. Lost. Yeah. Don't be. It's not that. <laughs> Don't be. <laughs> you, 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 pair, you, pair, you pair Ryan with the guy who did you pair Ryan with the guy who did Blade Runner 2049. His name is Dennis Villanueve. Uh, he's, he's the guy who did the Blade Runner reboot. More dark, more psychological. He did Sicario. He did Prisoners. He did Enemy. Uh, he's doing Dune, by the way, in 2020. All right, so first of all, I mean, this guy, this guy is amazing, okay? Prisoners is, I think, one of the most underrated, like, best movies of the last, I don't know what the parameters here, 20-something years, because you're kind of like, how are you going to end this where it's not like every other thing where it's like you had this idea, but how are you really going to execute the ending, whereas where most movies fail? And prisoners delivers big time. Sicario is incredible. incredible. Um, I have some awesome facts that I, I was able to track down, but I can't share here on just how they shot a lot of that stuff. It's inside it's, baseball. Yeah, I, mean, I the the meeting went so well with the Sicario producer that I couldn't. <laughs> I well, I almost felt like we were doing a podcast because I was just geeking out about the movies that he's produced, and we were just talking about something else and. And you got uh, some inside baseball. I got some inside stuff, but I can't. I, he never told me whether or not I could share it. I was telling him, like, we should just do that again and tape it and turn it into a podcast. All right. So, first of all, the fact that you nailed the director part, the Gosling is all in. I heard this story about Gosling where there was actually a fight outside of a club and, like, he broke it up. Like, I don't know if he actually even had to beat up the guys, but may have, like, grabbed two dudes while he was with the girl and just said, hey, I'm no not worries. You. No yeah, worries. Like, and like, it's like, are up. you – actually driver like yeah, you don't look driver like, right and he's, he's also driver. sort of a badass the place beyond the pines which is incredible in that i mean he's he's the best and and there's no reason you should be afraid of gosling from a physical standpoint like i no. can beat his ass with my eyes closed he's half my size no disrespect to him he's one of my favorite actors but he's scary because he's got that quiet thing going on and i think he'd be perfect i think you lauren cohen from the walking dead lover in anything anything she's in I'm there for it. She could be the girl. Enola was the little girl who, by the way, is 35 right now, which is fucking terrifying. That's crazy. She was the Whoa. girl with Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. So that's, uh, I, I can got, see it I got, now. I got yeah. Lauren Cohen. I got uh, I got Woody Harrelson being Dennis Hopper's character. Oh. Uh, yeah. You, Woody, you can put in anything. That guy's great. That's, that's what she said. Yeah. No, I got a lady bone hard right now. <laughs> What uh? Wait, what? Is that is that weird? All right, hey, um, I'm not a fan <laughs> of Ryan Gosling. I'm not a fan. Whoa, off the top. Not that he doesn't. Road. Not what time I talk about. Not that he doesn't do great films. I'm not a fan of him in this role. Huge fan of him in uh, was a Place Beyond the Pines. I can't remember the title of the movie. Yeah, Place Beyond. Awesome, yes. awesome movie. Great um, soundtrack. Uh, and I've I've liked a few of the other things he's done, but I I, I don't know. I don't see him as a half man, half fish, uh, quasi. Uh, um, Who do you see as a half man, half fish? Yeah, that's I, I, your top three he, half man, half fish guys be. See, that's um, it's I got I got to have that ready to go. If I'm going to make a statement. Oh, I got one. I, I got. All right, one. go, go. Lance Bass, 
Mike Trout. <laughs> 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 third one. Just stop it, Lance. <laughs> and DJ Shark. You know they could be a <laughs> DJ Shark. Yeah. Hey, I know it's with a, I know it's spelled with a C. But yeah. I'm just telling you, and, and the best part is, I know a lot of these reboots, I can't remember which ones, you put the old actors in the movies. I think they didn't like Star Wars in different ways or whatever, but you could make Kevin yes. Costner the helicopter guy, you know, the hot air balloon guy. You know how they get away and he saves Enola and the woman, you know, Dennis Spoiler. Um, his character would be Woody, as I mentioned. Yeah, I, I just think interesting, timely piece. They didn't even know it. It was written in the late 80s. Uh, and then picked up in the mid-90s. And, you know, sea level rose by 25,000 feet in this thing. And I don't, I don't know if that's too much of a rise for the water to actually stay secured to the earth due to gravity. I don't think our sea level is ever going to rise that high. But um, but I think it's it's a, it's a it's fairly a uh, yeah. poignant movie. It's definitely more plausible than it was 30 years ago. Definitely. Yeah, or are we coming out of an ice age? But I have to follow up on a couple of things because Waterworld was so ripped during its release and then for years after that it just turned into human nature of like, oh, what well, you know what? It wasn't that bad. It's pretty bad. Those battle scenes <laughs> suck, okay? So if you compare it to the Mad Max element and you go, yeah, but Mad Max was scary. Like the early Mel Gibson stuff, like those things were like a little scary and it could have been because of the way it was shot, it was Australian and it was just, you know, it was a little different, but it was kind of creepy even though they'd be in parts of towns and this was so cartoonish, it never really happened. And my final thought on it is, as you rewatched it, wasn't dirt weird in the way that like dirt was so valuable? Oh. And yeah. didn't, didn't Costner also take like actual soil and rub his gums like it was a drug well, at one so, point. So it, Who it did that? Actually, dirt, dirt was cocaine in this, in this, in this. Community. Yeah. Okay, that's right. <laughs> like, like literally when he rolled up and brought like a planter of dirt, they all creamed themselves and homeboy was like tasting it on his tongue. Like it was pure. And you know, he got like, that's dumb. That's yeah. dumb. Leave that out of the remake. You know what else was dumb? The worst line of the, 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 the thing is they, the smokers fire his boat up. It's on fire. He's, he's dove underwater with homegirl. They resurface. He walks back up onto the, the smoking, still smoking boat, which, by the way, you'd never be able to walk barefoot on. But he, he, all, he, all he can say is, my boat. And then he just stands there. The worst line of the movie. Also, the three jet ski scene where Dennis Hopper dies, I can't tell if it's good or bad. You remember how Dennis Hopper dies? Like, there's a lot of scenes for me that were questionable, but I think that it's a victim, as you said, of the expectation, but also it gets probably lifted up a little bit because for the last 25 years, we've heard how bad it is. So if you go back watching it, you're like, it's not as bad as people say. And in the beginning, it was disappointing. So it's kind of in the middle there some, somehow. I have nothing else to add to it. You're up. Me neither. Yeah. You're up, right? Yeah. Okay. I would just start with a real easy one. Nice transition. The first new Star Wars. Obviously not Star Wars Empire and Return of the Jedi. Jar Jar Binks and on from one. The anticipation that I had for this first one, because even as a kid, like the first time you learned, you're like, you know that it's actually a nine-part series and that Star Wars is part four. And the way the story works is there's actually three. I'm a huge origin guy. Everybody knows that about me. Yeah. So I would, I was just, I mean, I was like 10 going, I, I can't believe this. How come it hasn't been done? And I have this theory about creative people that I really think creative people are at their best when they're younger. They're more on edge. They're not as willing to follow the rules. They're trying to prove something. And the first things that you come up with creatively, whether it's music, whether it's writing, or in this case, a movie, this idea, it's something that you've been thinking about for a very long time. And then it's not, hey, you need to come up with five new things that are creative. The person that carries it through, the bands that are able to carry that through artists, those are the special ones. But a lot of people, and it's not a one-hit wonder thing necessarily, but it's a lot of people have maybe their one or two great ideas. And then beyond that, they're just empty. And with Lucas, it was clear this was something in his mind marinating for years and years. And that's why the first three were so incredible. But then to wait, what, 20-something years, come out with something where it feels like all of a sudden your dad got an upgrade. Or he's like, hey, I got this new program on my laptop. Do you guys want to see it? Like, look at this paint. And I'm going to make it yellow, but it's going to be graffiti. And that's what the new issue, that's what the new issue Star Wars felt like, where he had lost his edge. It was a little more family friendly. And he had learned yes. about CGI for the first time. And 
I get what he's doing. I'm not criticizing George Lucas. I'm just I'm just simply saying it needed. I felt like a lot of this Star Wars stuff. The the reason it worked um, was it it felt so unique. And I think if you were to ever do it to make it a little darker, like the Christopher Nolan Batman's, you could have something really really special. And that's not the direction they went in. They went very family. And that's not why there's plenty of family stuff out there. Darker is the way to repurpose things. It really is. It really is. Yeah, I'm with you totally. I think the the when they decided to redo it, it it became too Disney, too much. It lost its edge. It just it didn't have any feel to it like the first three, and even those three would be interesting to see darker now with like some of the stuff that's they're doing with a lot of these, you know, quote unquote family movies now. Yeah. Yeah, and some of them are terrifying. But I, I will say, you go back and watch the old Star Wars, they're still great, but they're a little bit more, I don't know if the word would be campy than I thought, like special effects. Like, obviously, they were what they were back then. And some Dude, of the lines, 70s. Yeah, I mean, some of the lines were kind of one-liner-ish and that sort of thing, but I didn't remember that as a kid because you're a kid. You're not that critical. So, yeah, yeah so I had... Yeah, is a real place. <laughs> hey, dude. And did the Revenant rip off uh, Star Wars with climbing in the horse or no? Oh, the Tauntaun? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to say it's a ripoff. I'm not going to say it's a ripoff. I just, yeah, because we got to be careful about the things we're ripping off. Yeah, you never know. I mean, I can't wait to see who gets mad about this podcast because no one's hey. ever done a reboot movie. <laughs> hey, and else, um, I just want to go over real quick your hot take sure. um, that the Revenant sucks. What? Wait a minute. It's not a hot take. I just hate it. Yeah. You hate How do you hate it? Well, I think, well, first of all, I, yeah. Hate is he's a, a real fur I trapper. Will, he's a real fur trapper. It's unrealistic. Yeah. The Peltray. The Peltray. Pelt <laughs> <trade. laughs> yeah, so, How many pots um, do you have, Kels? Um, many You know, pelts. I think, yeah, not many. Um, I think, uh, yeah, hate's a strong word. I think that, um, you know, the movie is obviously <laughs> unbelievably acted by Leo, but I just like so many of other, so many of Leo's other films better. What about Hardy? It, Hardy's great, but Hardy, I mean, both those guys are great in whatever they do, but I just think that this is like the big film that's that like justified Leo's career, I think is just absurd. And I think there's so many other films that I'll watch over and over and over again that I have more fun watching than the revenant like the revenant does a great job of making you feel this guy's pain and anguish and the longevity of that uh into the viewer and i'll never it it does so well that i'll never watch it again because i don't want to go through that do you really trust anybody that that makes the revenant you know like kind of signify okay this made his career like i can't even let that mar my perception of the movie i just think it's a visually stunning movie and by the way tom hardy is the real denzel washington okay people say denzel's the same guy and everything tom hardy is real life denzel <laughs> just saying that's fair that's fair yeah so you guys are uh, listing some more high quality films i'm gonna go with wild wild west um <laughs> why <laughs> because never <laughs> Because I think there's an unbelievable opportunity to move for a sequel, Wild Wild West, going from Django Unchained. And then this sequel, it's still Tarantino and Fox paired up, which I'm a big Tarantino guy. And in this sequel, oh, no doubt. And Django in the sequel changes his name to Jim West because he's tired of saying the D is silent. And he becomes an FBI agent to protect Ulysses S. Grant. I think it's a home run. I uh, love the fact that you called it a huge opportunity. <laughs> I love your pitch. This is so serious. It's like he's not doing this with his, he's set, his he's, boy. Oh, yeah. I'm I mean, ready to pitch this. This is an airtight investment opportunity. <laughs> um, I mean, Tarantino makes anything good. Yeah, he does. He he really does. He's he's. Uh, By the way, speaking of Ulysses S. Grant, I see that biography that I sent. You got me. See long. That thing's crap. Yeah. Look at look at the bend on that binder. That thing's right thick. That thing's <laughs> been run through pretty heavy. Uh, okay, so we got Wild Wild West. We got Waterworld, and we have um, the Star Wars. Star Wars. Which Star Wars was it? Any the of the first three. 
Okay. Now I, I got Shining. Okay, I got a lot. Shining is 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 a great movie. Okay, it's it's universally accepted as so, except if you are uh, Stephen King because you don't like it because there was too much uh, as far as liberties taken with the with the main character. He thought that it should have been slower. Bay uh, Jack just kind of does that well. He gets unraveled, goes down the rabbit hole pretty quick, and he did. And I thought it was a great movie, very influential. Okay. I'm going to get Scorsese out of uh, retirement here, um, and he's going to do it. We're going to bring the Shutter Island vibes. That's uh, actually perfect, though, because Scorsese will take it as long as Stephen King wrote it. So it Is that like a like, film joke? No, but it would just be like, look, anybody that writes the book, and Stephen King will take multiple pages to set like one little specific tone, okay? Yeah. And there's no way that he was ever going to like a movie adaptation as well, especially that story that's so scary and it builds and it builds and it builds. Like that to me is just classic movie making versus the written word. It's a book and a right. book isn't always gonna be good. And I thought he did a brilliant job with it, but here's the kicker. We're gonna have Scorsese, we're gonna do Shutter Island. We're gonna move the set from Colorado to Japan. Bear with me. We're gonna set it outside Tokyo, in quotes, cause it's not truly outside Tokyo, but for the sake of the movie. Oldest hotel in the world, okay? I looked this shit up. The Nishiyama Onsen. It's 1,300 years old. It's been taken <laughs> care of by 52 generations of Japanese families from the area. Same family, actually. Not Japanese families. I'm butchering it. Same family. 705 AD is when this fucking thing after was, death. Uh, was, was, was built. JC. Yeah, after death is what that stands for. Um, and I don't want to overthink this. I'm going to go Joaquin Phoenix. I'm going to go Anne Hathaway. In fact, Scorsese was supposed to do the Joker, and he walked away from it, citing time and personal reasons. I hope it's nothing personal with him and Joaquin. Uh, I think it would be terrific. So they're in Japan. You know how, like, Jack, the character, is, is, uh, is the caretaker? And he's also a writer. You know, he's a, he's, a, he's a struggling writer who thinks he's better than he is. Same thing with Joaquin. He's over there to be an English tutor for a wealthy family. They put him up at this really nice hotel. It's got some parasite vibes, nice digs, obviously haunted. Uh, there's a history. He doesn't discover it until he goes out on the town, goes to one of these, uh, what are they? Do they call them whorehouses there? Um, a bathhouse. Dojos, I believe. Dojo. Karate. No. Karate and you get entertained late at night. It's, it's, a, it was a, it's one of those dojos slash... You know, Japanese bathhouses. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's cool. yeah. It's, it's, yeah, everybody knows that. It's open 24 hours. <laughs> At 6 p.m., you know, it turns into a bathhouse. There's a 30-minute, you know, uh, there's a 30-minute period where they where they turn it from a football field to a monster truck course, effectively. Um, but homeboy goes there, he gets seduced, he's partying his ass off, he's he's banging sake, and then he does a couple hits of acid. He does some squares. Okay, and then he goes back to the hotel. He doesn't realize that he has an underlying psychological issue. And he, he's not only tripping balls for like five days, starts seeing ghosts, starts seeing like, you know, Japanese ghosts are way scarier than American ghosts. It's just a rule. He's seeing people. Never, in yeah. Masks. Everybody knows that. Yeah. There's like twins. There's the blood scene. It's adapted to change completely for the setting. And uh, I mean, there's still going to be a Lloyd character, a Grady character. You know, the two characters, see, if you, you remember the movie, there was the bartender, there was the guy in the, um, in the bathroom who had the mints, who, who told him, you know, the mint guy in the bathroom. Uh, he starts losing, he sees all these people. It's creepy. Um, everything's creepier in Japan. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's my, my shining reboot. And I think we could make it tomorrow. I think literally this movie would be that good. Yeah, great movie. I was skeptical at first because I'm a, I'm a firm believer that some actors you just can't redo movies with. And I think Jack Nicholson is one of those guys. Uh, but Joaquin, if there's one guy, that's the only guy that got me on board with this thing. Because, like, I think it's that hard to redo. The casting is so important. And Joaquin is the closest you're going to get to an actor that can effectively really make you believe he's insane. Yeah. Uh, as uh, Jack Nicholson. Daniel Day-Lewis could do it, too, I think. Of course he could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he can do anything. Yeah. But now, but Joaquin's got a, he's got a creep factor going on. Not that Daniel Day-Lewis couldn't do it, but yeah. Joaquin, 
Now, I know it, it became kind of cool to not like the Joker, to think it was terrible, but you can't deny the fact of how invested he was in that character. He was amazing, he was, he was but I got to tell you, I wasn't trying to be cool when I said the Joker fucking sucked. You were on it early. It doesn't suck. suck. No, it's just not a good movie. I like it. Sounds like you're saying the same thing. Joaquin yeah, is yeah. awesome. The performance yeah. is great. The movie, not so great. By the way, I think the reason Joaquin works here is because at the core of this thing, there was this inadequacy with Jack. I mean, that was the character that was like, he was so frustrated. He was just this ball of frustration. Whereas Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, it's not his self-loathing, the crazy he does. And Joaquin, it's like, you could just see him start crying at any time, like just crumple into a ball, the Joker thing. Like he could just look crazy. And yeah, and it's not even the Joker too. Like in Master, um, in the Master with Philip Seymour Hoffman, that scene with those two guys. I mean, it's a weird movie, and it's Great it's movie. really, but it's awesome. I mean, those two Great guys movie. alone, and just that one. If it weren't for the backstory of it being sort of the Elron Hubbard deal and the whole the whole Scientology basis, uh, you know, I don't even know if anybody would say like, "What the hell are you doing here?" But once you are able to connect it to something real, it works. Just tread lightly because a lot of my listeners listeners are Scientologists. Yeah, I wasn't even criticizing. I'm just telling you what the yeah. movie is based on. Yeah, Jason's a Scientologist go. as well. Go ahead, Rye. Okay, uh, this one's going to be quicker. Slipstream. This is a shout out for my brother Vaughn. Vaughn and I were working on this this morning over at the uh, the homestead here, and he's like, "What about Slipstream?" Because we we're big into these future movies where the future is just different. And uh, in the future, nature takes over is the tagline in the movie trailer. And Luke Skywalker actually plays the bad guy and nature takes over. So all of a sudden there's these massive wind currents all over the globe and dudes are just in planes left and right, chasing each other around. Bill Paxton's a bounty hunter. Luke Skywalker's the bad guy. You've got to watch the trailer because I don't think the budget was real high for this one. The CGI is definitely on the lower scale of things. And there's a couple of battle scenes that look like they may have been filmed in my backyard growing up. Like that's what kind of, you know, when you were a little kid and the woods were awesome. Yeah. That's where I think some of this movie is filmed in, in your just, backyard, in just somebody's woods. <laughs> uh, because I think they were worried about, but I didn't know much about this. My brother's all over these weird, different, obscure movies. And this is so obscure. That's why it needs to be rebooted. Because how is there a movie about wind currents taking over and then everybody just in planes in a, a future version of the world where guys are just flying around in planes lawlessly? And they have a bit of a North by Northwest plane scene shout out kind of vibe going on as well. So I'm going to keep things real serious. Back to the future part two. We need a reboot. Great. Call. Now that we know what 2015 actually is, and it's not actually the most important invention hasn't been a hoverboard, a hovering skateboard. Um, I think that uh, it's due a more realistic uh, representation of what 2015 actually is. We're just way behind on hovering stuff in general. Would you agree? I yeah, would that agree. Was, that was the one thing that everybody missed. Like the Jetsons, I think, was set in like 1994. And they had <laughs> And like now we, we, a guy goes, he hovers over the English channel and it looks like it took eight days to set his fucking jet pack up. And we're like, yeah, 2020. Doom is my third one. Um, Doom? Everybody remembers the game. Classic first-person shooter. I know you're probably more of a Wolfenstein guy, Ryan, from the late 80s. I was more of a Doom guy. Uh, Wolfenstein's too old for even me, okay? <laughs> now, I mean, yes, it was in the mix, but it wasn't, it wasn't my... My first role RPG was, was Zelda. So, Zelda. I unless love, you count you Mario, right? Nah, nah, I can hear all the music, and you go in the little hut to get the heart, and there was, like, that mysterious guy in there. I used to love that fucking game. Uh, yeah, I can still hear the doors shutting on Doom. Like, scary. It was really scary. I was mashing away on my thick-ass computer until I got, like, carpal tunnel syndrome. Back I can't just Wolfenstein me. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. But they really, they tried this thing in 05 with The Rock, and it fucking yes, sucked. it was terrible. Um, that hurts you, Kels, to say that. I could see you just, anything critical of The Rock, the tears are welling up. I, uh, I cannot stand The Rock at all. Oh, you don't like him? Wow. Oh. All time, Zag. Whoa. Yeah. Hey, I met him. He was really nice, Jace. Yeah. Really well, nice. I'm, yeah. I'm obviously not talking about The Rock as a person. You're saying or, or a wrestler. Yeah. Although he was never my favorite wrestler either, but um, he's a little bit too clean cut for me. I think his movies do what they're designed to do, which is make a fuck yeah. ton of money and, yep. you know, 
one-liners and that sort of thing. But I thought was, maybe you had met him or something because everybody, when you meet him, it's it's hard to not like him meeting him. Yeah, he's very yeah. magnet. He's magnetic. I, okay, so like, here's the deal. This Were you thing gonna say Magneto? Magneto, <laughs> my my dog. Uh, so so like this thing was was as we said, it was a rock movie. I mean, this, this has to be sci-fi kind of like psychological ad Astra. Did you see ad Astra last year? I did out. I love the tone of that movie. It was one love of the, the tone. movies love to the be tone. really good, but just the supporting actors were terrible. Um, yeah. I, I think, uh, by the way, the guy who did the, the, the cinematography for doom did Jade. Do you remember the movie Jade? I got kicked off a field trip because it was on late at night on HBO. It was sexually, it was essentially like softcore porn, but a real movie. And I went down the hallway knocking on people's doors and be like, hey, Jade was on Channel 26. Sixth grade, I got kicked off a field trip for uh, spreading the gospel of Jade around the hotel, the Holiday Inn floor in Williamsburg, Virginia. Colonial Williamsburg. That's where we went. Um, but that's I was important. Probably, that's important settlement, though. A lot of history there. There's a lot of history there. If you want to go see what a blacksmith was like in the 1600s, you can get right up close to him. There aren't enough blacksmiths today. I've said that for years. There weren't enough blacksmiths in Hawaii when they did Waterworld. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I guess, like, here, bear with me here, because you know, because you know, and I know you're like, I'm already bearing with you. I know you're like writing a whole fucking movie, but this mo- the the game was about. Uh, a space Marine that went and did missions like on Mars. He had to go do security and the movie sucked. It was some adaptation of it. I want a space Marine to go to Mars to get banished because just like in the game, he assaulted or killed another space Marine. So he's got to go to this dangerous outpost, the moons of Mars. Okay. And as he's going through it, he's got all these missions. There's some chronology issues where they're flashing back and you're like, why are they flashing back? He's thinking, what are these visions? He's killing these demons, these aliens. And then he's got one last mission at the end of the movie. Go retrieve this piece of space junk. It's really mysterious. Nobody knows what it is. He flies out there on his little hovercraft. He realizes it's it's his coffin. He's been dead the whole time. That picture flash that he thought when he got booked at, at, at a space marine jail was a gunshot. They executed him, and he's in hell the whole time. So it's hell. It's Mars. It's it's true to the game. Covering a lot of bases, yeah. Huh? A lot of a lot of bases being covered in this one. Yeah, and 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 to cast it, uh, I really struggled here. Uh, I, Jeffrey Wright from Westworld could be really good. He's on my brain right now. Um, Oscar Isaac because of uh, Ex Machina or Machina, however. The I don't know that anybody knows how to pronounce that movie, but it's a great yeah, it's movie. It's a struggle. Every time you want to reference it, you're like, I love that movie, and I'm afraid to say the name of it. Uh, some silly- say like. Mex, uh, ex machina yeah where you're like that sounds cool and artsy but that might be wrong too i knew it i thought i knew it once it's almost like any european basketball player like after a couple years i remember one time joe tessitore was like it's not mariota it's mariota uh, like, oh <laughs> what it's what is it and he's like it's mariota all right guys and this is the point in the pod where we get a uh, surprise cameo from uh, a real life big time hollywood actor a friend of ours, Miles Teller, and again, although Kelsey and Ryan just met uh, on Zoom today, uh, they both know Miles separately, and I know Miles as well. He's in Top Gun, so we value his opinion. Let's get him on. Yo, looking swole. Son. Oh, look at this. <laughs> looking good. Look well, at that woodwork. Lucilla texting me, so I know I know I had to be wearing a, a cut off fucking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> So you know what we're doing here? Uh, we are doing uh, reboots. Like, off the top of your head, what do you want to see remade? I mean, off the top of my head, nothing. Not a big fan of reboots. Flubber. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, all right, but no, here, here's the idea. Here's the idea, Miles. We'll pitch it to you now, which I'm sure you love. We want to reboot Roadhouse, and you're going to play Dalton. Because I could see a lot of people underestimating you in a tussle and he's like what like the, the fuck the, is that supposed to mean right no but you got enough of an edge you not see that mustache right there right but you keep the mustache russilla we can go right now dude i know where you live oh did you just admit that you don't social distance right here on the pod you're gonna roll up to my dog and throat rip him and cough covid into his his throat cavity <laughs> i will mess russilla up from six feet away he knows it <laughs> 
ignoring me would hurt more. To be to be honest, let's let well let's tell him since he since he doesn't like reboots, we'll tell him what we had so far. I had Doom, I have The Shining, and I've got Waterworld. What'd you have, Ryan? The first few Star Wars, I wanted an all black Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Slipstream or Roadhouse with Miles Teller. Kels? Uh, I got Wild Wild West, Back to the Future, Only Part Two, Armageddon, Running Man, and Rocky Four. But only instead of Russia, I think we need another Rocky film to end our tensions with China uh, right now from COVID and these trade wars going on. And I think Sly can come out of retirement to handle that as well. How'd we do? Why do you want to read? Armageddon was the perfect movie. <laughs> Dude, the plot, everything. You're never, you're not going to get better than Liv Tyler in that, in that role. The dinosaur going up the stomach right by the belly button. I mean, that's smooth. I agree. That movie's really good. And, I, you know, it'd be tough to, to reboot it. I just think the only thing they need to change is just, why is it easier to train drillers to become astronauts and just not astronauts to drill a hole? I don't, I never got that. But you know what this Everything is? Everything else makes perfect sense though. This is tough. This would be like Miles and his friends doing a football pod for like an hour and then like one of us popping on Jason being like judging the fuck out of their football takes. Yeah, it's not I, even close. Miles knows way more about football than I do about anything related to cinema. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you know. <laughs> man, I got to cast you in one of these movies, man. Because, by the way, I know um, some of these movies are going to become real movies, Miles. I just want to tell you that in advance. Because Ryan is a writer, and we know yep. people in Hollywood, obviously, you're on the call. Yep. <laughs> be ready. Just be ready for the Waterworld reboot starring uh, Ryan Gosling. Dude, we got a ride. We got, a, we got the writer. The, we got the talent. Kelsey's got the money. So... You know, we can easily put this thing together, man. And yeah. it's not hard. I've signed on to things with far less of a fleshed out pit than uh, what I heard right now. So I'm in. I'm in. I'm okay, in. good. Good. Yeah. There we go. I also, to, to wrap up my last two, and we'll go we'll go the last two in a row and then, and then hit honorable mentions. I think Black Mass needs to get remade. Um, and it can be called something completely different. It can be called fucking Whitey for all I care. But Whitey Bulger needed to be better depicted than what was done there. I, I want Gary Oldman to play Whitey Bulger. Dude, Gary, have you seen, um, oh man, what is the movie? Shit, it's Oldman, it's Sean Penn, it's Ed Harris. State of uh, Grace. State of Grace. Oh, that, that movie's incredible. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. I was actually, I've been actually getting movie recommendations from, uh, from Tom, from Cruise. Uh, That's where we get ours. Yeah, he, know, he knows I haven't seen a lot of stuff. And so he recommended I watched, uh, maybe I was just on a Costner kick because I think that guy is just, he's uh, got like a Paul Newman thing. He's just classic kind of a, a Americana actor. And so I watched uh, No Way Out. And then last night I watched uh, The Untouchables. Could have been a lot better. Elliot yeah, Ness? I, I mean, yes, he's in the movie. That's, that's who's portrayed in the movie. <laughs> If I can get a list at the end, guys, that I can get into this a little bit better next time, that'd be great. I just love the idea, Chris, of, of Cruz telling Miles, like, hey, you should check out a couple of these movies. And then Miles, like, saying to his buddies, like, yeah, I don't know, man. He, he recommended King Kong. Like, Kong <laughs> Island. Like, that, that one kind of surprised me a little bit. Hey, do you have to go back to Tom and be like, yeah, I like that movie when you didn't like it? Uh, I mean, I sent him. I sent him a, a text. I said, you know, I enjoyed, uh, you know, this, this. I don't know. I don't like movies when I feel like the score is trying to like really tell you what you need to be feeling. Like I get it; it should inform it. But I know, a couple times, like it was just a little too, like root for the good guys. Now that's, that's something that plagued Waterworld, and we won't be making that same mistake in the second <laughs> go around. And 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 lastly, Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. You name it. Uh, we talked about it earlier. I would really love a reboot. Probably Mortal Kombat has a better shot of getting that done uh, than Street Fighter. Because Street Fighter was trying to be like a real movie. You could kind of blood sport Mortal Kombat. You could kind of make a hybrid there. And I also think Bloodsport would be a good reboot, honestly. I watched that Chung Lee fight again the other day. And his fucking titties were out of control. That's the guy he fights at the end? 
Yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Chung Lee, they, they have like a peck off, and Van Damme is, for the first time in his life, is just totally outmatched. Apparently that dude in real life was like a male, he was like a, I think he was like a stripper, or he was a male dancer. You can very, you, you got to stat check that, but I'm pretty sure I heard that. That's got to be true, I think. That makes sense. With titties like those, like he was, and he had such control over them. And the fight scene, by the way, is, is a bit overrated. Like, nobody has their guard up. For two people that are at the apex of mar underground martial arts, they don't block anything. Uh, you know, the talcum powder thing, I'm just not that into it. You could remake any three of those movies for me. And I don't know how I'd cast it. It's way too intimidating to cast uh, Street Fighter. I mean, there's 55 characters. That's what we talked about earlier. Not in the original. It's like Ryu, uh, Brunette Ryu. Blanca. Cammy. Who played Cammy? Kylie Minogue played Cammy. That's oh, a nice Kilborn loves Kylie Minogue. I just Googled male Asian strippers, and so far, a lot of the hits have not come up. From Charlie Lane? <laughs> yeah, so I just... You just got flagged. You you got flagged. Uh, you know where I got flagged earlier? I was trying to cast cast Enola in Water or Waterworld. Uh, that's the young girl. And I felt like Chris Hansen was going to walk into my living room. I was Googling young actresses. I just felt so like we were doing that. His research. Yeah, his research. I guess the only thing I have for sure here is that M. Bison would have to be Benicio. You can be Ryu if you want. I don't need to be in all these movies, guys. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. You have to bring them to the people you know for us. That's all. Two honorable mentions here before we get out of here. All right. The only other thing I had was Outbreak, the TV series, and you're pitching it to the producers, and you say at the end of season one, you think you're going to be able to go outside, and then you can't. There's season two. Jace? Um, RoboCop, obviously. Uh, obviously. <laughs> I had uh, Congo as well because we've seen how big of a difference CGI makes in monkey movies with uh, Planet of the Apes. Yep. About the only serious one I got is Memento. I feel like Memento deserves a higher budget uh, than uh, kind of what it got the first time around. I'd like to see uh, what it would do with like a mainstream uh, vibe to it. I got Powder as an honorable mention. Do you remember that movie? Ooh, great dude! Touches the uh, touches the hunter and then touches the deer and makes him feel it. He just <laughs> dude, another one that would be vastly improved by CGI. He was the original X Man. He was. Think about it. People forget that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was doing a lot of that stuff before these guys had an academy. He's just a dude by himself. I would like to do like a lethal weapon. Um, I mean, they're talking about doing. White Man Can't Jump, that was one that, that was a reboot they were actually kind of uh, talking to me about a little while. This is like a couple years ago, they were talking about maybe me and Mike B. You were going to be the white man? Yeah, I think, so. I mean, I think so. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't uh, <laughs> You're like, actually, I'm reading for, oh, wait, you want me What's to read for Billy Hoyle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lethal Weapon, I want to do something like that, man. I think action comedy, I think people lend too heavily on like the comedy of it recently it doesn't it doesn't work if you make it too jokey i mean even like the diehards man you know a lot of humor in those it just comes through you just gotta have uh you know the humor should come from the character not trying to just do a bunch of bits and stuff you know like rusillo sends me his scripts and it's just like joke after joke <laughs> after joke <laughs> how does he send you his scripts uh snail mail or pdf or he just he texts me and then he sends me like this super long text about like hey man like first off you know i feel weird doing this but he keeps doing it so he doesn't feel that weird i'd hate to do this but you know i'm having a tough time i'm lonely <laughs> all right that part might be accurate on the lonely one at the end but the number of times i've done that to miles are zero because i know better and there was one time i think a couple years ago where miles allowed me it was like a resetting of what the friendship was he's like no no you're gonna be at this tier and because I'd said like, hey, yeah. so one of my friends had said something about a script. Did you ever read that? And Miles is like, Whoa, bro, what is what is this? Like, are you going to be one of these guys now because you're moving out here? Like, what are you, an agent or something? It was so, it was like dental work with no Novocaine, like right at me. And because I understand your world, like you have that shit happen to you all the time. So I made a mental note as I've not forgotten it. Where I go, even as I'm right, I'm never gonna bug Miles about it. I bugged you about the Zoom, but I'm never gonna bug you about that stuff. I went to dinner with uh, Kelsey and uh, Bo Allen. I didn't ask them afterwards if I could, you know, suit up. 
for the birds on, you know, on Sunday. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And by the way, Bo would have easily been on this call, but he's afraid to do anything with the media now. Why? Why is he? What yeah. Where did he go? Yeah. He doesn't even. Oh, even... now I get it. He's just going to gronk it. He's just going to gronk it and do it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's that's the secret about being in New England is you can actually just do it. Like, but can you if you're not catching touchdown passes? Vince Wilfork signed a deal with the TV station that I worked at at the time, and I was like, Vince, you know, was was everybody cool with it? And he was like, I just said, Bill, I'm a man, and you're a man, and I'm gonna go do this, and that was right. it. I want to hear Bo say that to Bill Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's not gonna help that my podcast, and he knows what a fucking clown I am from being there for a year. So, guys. Thank you for joining me. This is our hard out. I got to go, uh, you know, be a dad and all those things that I've been doing the last two months in uh, in quarantine. I wish everybody health and safety, guys. I wish everybody health and safety and many reboots. Uh, that Tremors reboot, I'm going to send you that later, Miles. <laughs> send him a one sheet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks, guys. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back on uh, on Monday with the Last Dance uh, review and. Uh, Look for uh, Miles and White Man Can't Jump. He's going to be the white guy. Y'all take care.